Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bossier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. I'm going to preach from Psalm 105. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. The author, the writer of Psalm 105 is anonymous. We do not know his name. It was written in a time when books were rare. They were very costly, far beyond the reach of ordinary people. So if history was to be remembered, it would be remembered by the pens of songwriters. You know, the Psalms are just songs. It is interesting to note that the Psalms were written in a time when all the songs were in the minor keys. That changed when Jesus came. But there was no better way for them to remember history than to put it in a song and teach it to the people and to their children. And they would sing these songs over and over and over again. And that's why we have them today. I give you an illustration of this. There was a pioneer missionary to Africa named Robert Moffat. He went to Africa and he went to a people called the Buchenland people. They were natives to Africa. They were bush people. They were well equipped to live their lives in the jungle. They knew no English. And so one of his great challenges was to teach them the English language. And uh, he had no Bible in their, in their language, so he had to teach it to them. And it was very difficult. And he wasn't considered a teacher. So he's like, how do you teach people that B follows A and C follows B? And such as that. And one of, the, one of the tribesmen there said, why don't you put it in a song? You ready for this? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I mean, we don't sing the Declaration of Independence. We, there's a lot of things we don't sing, but Moffat decided to try it. He was a Scot, and there was one familiar tune from his childhood that came to his mind, Odd Lang Scene. Is that the way you pronounce that? <laughs> then how do you pronounce it? What? Odd Lang Sign? Do you know the tune? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's the tune he picked. I'm in charge here. Google Robert Moffat, M-O-F-F-A-T, in Africa and all... Guess what? He used that song and he taught those people the language, the English language, and taught them about Jesus Christ. So that's an idea of what I'm giving you. They put their thoughts and their words in songs and they sang them. Let me give you a a more modern day example, though not real modern. There was a guy named Horatio Spafford His life was filled with tragedy. His son died at the age of two. In the great Chicago fire of 1871, he was practically ruined financially. He had been a successful lawyer and had invested significantly in property in the area 
of Chicago that was extensively damaged by the Great Fire. And so his life was in shambles now. His business interests were further hit by the economic downturn of 1873. He was planning to travel to Europe, but because of a business situation, zoning problems, he was an attorney. After the great Chicago fire, he was not able to go, but he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship. They were traveling to Europe. The ship had a collision with another ship. All four of his daughters perished in that shipwreck, and only his wife, Anna, survived. And she sent him what is now the famous telegram, Saved Alone. Shortly afterwards, he went to meet with his grieving wife in Europe, and when he passed near the place where his four daughters had died, he wrote a song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows row, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And so with that little footprint and opening, we're going to Psalm 105. This is the Thanksgiving season, right? So today is a day to rejoice and be grateful. We're here. We're alive. We're breathing. Some of you need a touch. We have people here who need a great touch. God's going to minister to a lot of people here in this service. We have prayed for a demonstration of the Spirit and the power. I want to disappear and I want God to appear. I want to get out of the way and let God have His way. Can I get a witness from somebody today? I want Jesus to show up and show out. I want Him to deliver. I want Him to set some people free. I want him to remove depression. I want somebody to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Are you ready to rejoice in the Lord? Somebody shout amen. Let's give him another hand clap. Let's shout to him with a voice of triumph. I believe God's ready to show up. We need a demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. So let's start with Psalm 105. Are you ready? The first two verses are a call to rejoice. The psalmist said, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. It's a call to not only praise his name, but to proclaim his fame. God wanted Israel to be a testimony to the world. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Many nations in our world today do not have the opportunity we have to gather and leave a testimony for the goodness of God. Billions of people live either in, under the uh, rule of atheism. Millions and millions live under Hinduism. Billions live under the religion of Islam. And billions live under the religion of Buddhism. But we're in a Christian nation. Some of that's disappearing. Former president said America is no longer a Christian nation. Don't say that at the Pentecostals of Bossier. Amen. This is a call to rejoice. I'm going to learn to be content with whatsoever things I have For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God didn't think too kindly of the murmurers who came out of Egypt. 
Bible said he sent fiery serpents among them. They began to bite those people. Exodus records that many people died. I wonder what would happen if supernaturally God dropped a thousand rattlesnakes in this building and said, I want you to bite everybody that's been murmuring this week. I'd be like old Wendy Bagwell when he went to the church where they were handling snakes. He asked the singer behind him, do they have a back door? She said, no. He said, reckon, where do you think they might want one? (laughs) Anybody been murmuring this week? God don't think too kindly of murmurs. I'm too blessed to be stressed. My God's too big for me to complain and murmur about any little thing that doesn't go my way. Amen. Amen. I'm content with what I have, but oh, I'm too blessed to complain. I'm too blessed to murmur. This is a call to rejoice. Now, we don't have to wait till Thanksgiving to rejoice. I'd like to take a moment and thank God right now. Come on, Pentecostals of Bozier. Have you got a testimony? Woo! Oh, let's do that a little more. I better hurry. I'm not going to get through with all this chapter. I'll finish it later. I want him to know I'm rejoicing in his blessing. I'm going to rejoice when I'm on the mountain. I'm going to rejoice in the valley. I'm going to thank God for the good days and the bad days because the good days outweigh the bad days. Some of you are facing physical ailments today. We have people watching online that got bad news this week. Let me tell you, you get what you get. Don't pitch a fit. I may have to eat those words someday. And I pray right now, God, give me the grace to praise him in the night, to praise him in the day, to praise him in sickness, to praise him in health, to sing out nothing can separate me from the love of God. I'm gonna trust his hand. When I can't have faith, I'm gonna just go ahead and praise him anyway because I know God is large and I know God is in charge. Can I preach to you this morning? Can I preach to you this morning? My little family's got some bad news this month, but we're gonna praise God because I know God's hand is on our lives. I don't even know if I need to get off this first two verses. It's time to praise him for the good times and the bad times. Woo! You want to be encouraged? Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You want to break through? Learn how to praise him when you're marching into battle. Yeah. That's the way you get a breakthrough. Just praise him anyway. Walk down to the enemy's camp. Amen. Get a song in your heart. Oh my Lord, I'm about to go crazy here this morning. Go down to the enemy's camp and say no matter what comes my way, I'm gonna praise him anyway. Verse three and four is a call to return. Glory to his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. America needs another national religious awakening, don't we? We live in a bubble. We're in the old Bible belt. I do some traveling 
It's a foreign world out there. Amen. Adios, America. It's not the same America we grew up in, all of us in my generation. But I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to pray for a national awakening, another revival awakening. We're going to give glory to his holy name. Let those whose hearts trust in the Lord rejoice. Amen. I'm going to look around me and I could get discouraged. So I'm going to look up and get encouraged. When you see these things come to pass, look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. We can have revival in Bossier. We can have revival in Louisiana. We can have revival in America. You don't believe that? Verses five and six is a call to remember. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders, his judgments, the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. This is no doubt an echo from the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy was Moses' last speech to the people of Israel before God. Took him up in the mountains and translated him or whatever happened to him. Deuteronomy can't easily be called a book of remembrance. Nine times the Lord said, thou shalt remember. Three times the Lord says, beware lest thou forget. The psalmist said, remember his marvelous works. God wanted Israel to remember that they owed everything to God as a nation. And God wants me and you to remember we owe everything to him. Everything. Do we have any testimonies in the house? Is there anybody that can say if it had not been the Lord? wants to set the captive free today. If you came in here with an addiction, God wants you to shake off those chains, those heavy bands, hallelujah. You walk out of here free. I go back to that little church a few years ago where my dad was a pastor. They asked me to preach. Actually, Brother Malcolm Smoke called the preacher and told him I'd preach for him. And he said, I can't afford him. Brother Malcolm said, yeah, he don't want any money. He's getting a, a deer trail paid for. Yeah, that's some of my good people here. I went there, there were 14 people there that night. No, pardon me, there were 15 people there that night. Four of them were me, Brother Carlton, Brother Malcolm, and Brad Smoke. Not that he's not a brother. And I stood up there that night and I couldn't read my notes because all I could do was weep. I'm like, I don't even know how God found us here. My little daddy was trying to build a church, trying to do a work for God. Gave up everything, gave up his future because he wanted to be a preacher, a man of God. He wanted a pastor and he believed and knew God called him to preach. And I'm up there looking over in this spot. I'm talking about remembering today. I'm talking about remembering today. You're not hearing me right now. Some of you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth, so you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to wonder, wonder how God found me right here. I'm gonna preach about myself right now. If you don't like it, you can get up. They have coffee in the foyer. Maybe they had not thrown it all out yet. Go get you a sip of coffee. This is a day to remember. Somebody asked me one day, how do you keep from getting pride? That's not hard to do. You go back to where he found you. You go back to where you came from. You get up. You say if it had not been the Lord. Ah, hallelujah. My God, I feel old-fashioned preach coming on me this morning. He didn't leave me the way that he found me. He didn't leave me to die in my sin. 
but he gave me his Holy Spirit. Woo! Don't forget where you came from. Thou shalt remember. Verse 7 teaches us that God is a sovereign God. He is the Lord, their God. He's the Lord, our God. Our God. Our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Don't ever forget it. Forget what they're saying on the newsreels. God is in charge. The heart of a king is in the hand of the Lord. And he turneth it whithersoever he will. He's a sovereign God, Sister Wendy. He's a sovereign God, Jeremy. He's a sovereign God, Donnie. He's big. He's large. He's in charge. And I believe it. I receive it. And I accept it. No matter what comes my way. Not only is a sovereign God, he's a sincere God. Verse 8 said he remembers his covenant forever. Somebody shout forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations from the time Israel was driven out of the land of the Romans until our own, or by the Romans until this day is only about 60 generations. But this verse says, He remembers to a thousand generations. Now we know he's never gonna forget. But this is a word to let you know it's gonna be a long time before he forgets what he promised you. He's a sincere God. Somebody say he will not forget. Get your Bible out. Find you a verse and you claim it as your promise and you remember what pastor's preaching to you this morning. He won't forget it for a thousand generations. Woo! That's why I believe in the rapture of the church. That's why I believe that Jesus Christ was the first fruits of them that slept. He came out of his grave. I'm coming out of my grave. Well, why do you say that? Because he don't forget. If he said it, he'll never forget it. Get your Bible. You don't have a Bible. Get your phone. Get your smart device. Hold it up right now and say, if he said it, he'll never forget it. I'm going to tell you, God doesn't have a short memory. He's not like me. I see some of you looking at watches, looking at everything. Some of you's not looking at nothing. Just get a pen out and write a verse down on the palm of your hand if that's all you can do. And remember, God's not gonna forget it for a thousand, a thousand generations. Do you know a thousand generations has not expired since God told Abraham, I'm gonna make your seed like the sand of the sea? Do you think God forgets it? It was 60 generations from the time the Jews left. The Romans drove them out of Jerusalem until 1948 and the United Nations said you can go home. No, you didn't do that. God did that. He's a selective God. The covenant which he made with Abraham, verse 9 and 10, and his oath to Isaac. And he confirmed it to Jacob for a statue. The promise he made to Abraham was made to Isaac, renewed to Jacob. Palestine does not belong to the Arabs. No vote by the United Nations. No decision by the world powers. No decision by an Arabian government. The Arab rage is not gonna take Israel out of the hand of the Jewish people. Well, why are you so sure about it? Because God made a covenant. Woo, he's a specific God. Verse 11 says, saying, I will give you the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance. This is a song that was written to Israel to sing so you never forget it. God was specific. 
I'm gonna give you Canaan. Now, what do you need from God this morning? I can assure you there's a promise in that Bible. Do you need healing? There's a promise in this Bible. Do you need deliverance? There's a promise in this Bible. Do you need to be set free from something? There's a promise in the Bible. Are you battling depression today? There's a promise in the Bible. There's a promise for any need you have. Can you shout amen? He's a specific God, a selected God, and he is specific. What could be more specific than that? I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. Well, wait a minute, God. All of these Philistines and Amalekites and Moabites, they all live in the land of Canaan. Don't make any difference to God. Yeah, I know, but the doctor said, what do you have a promise? I've been living with this for 20 years. Do you have a promise? I've had this addiction for 25 years. Do you have a promise? Huh? You want me to quit? You're dying out on me. Has he ever come through for you before? Has he ever, has he ever jumped on the wagon before and said, I'm not going to forget. I gave you a promise, a specific promise. And then he goes into the history of Israel and he reminds them they were a paltry people when they were few in number, indeed very few, and were strangers in it. Do you know when Abraham's family went down to Egypt, they were only 70 people. It's a handful of people. They, they didn't have a lot. They were going to Egypt because of a great famine. During the time of Abraham and Isaac, they didn't number nearly that much. They looked small. They didn't look like the stars of the sky or the sand of the sea. They, they, they didn't look like that. You know what they looked like? I'm told if you go to the headwaters of the mighty Amazon River, if you go all the way to the first little trickle of water, you could put your foot down on that little stream and dam it up. You could back the water up with the sole of your feet. Woo, but it ain't stopping there, brother, because you can't dam it up forever. Eventually, it's going to find a way over your foot. It's going to find its way to another stream, and the rain's going to fall in the rainforest, and that water's going to be so powerful by the time it gets to the Atlantic Ocean, it's going to carry the sludge and the sand and all of that out. How far? A hundred miles into that ocean. Yeah, that's the way Abraham looked. He said, you were small in number. You were just a little people, and you were like a little stream. God's reminding them, I'm trying to do that right now. Look back and remember where you came from. I'm not done. He reminded them they were a pilgrim people. This is who you were when God found you. You went from one nation to another. You went from one kingdom to another kingdom. You were nomads. You were strangers. You had a covenant with God. You had a promise of the land of Canaan. But you ain't living in Canaan. You're living in Egypt. You've been down to Bethel. You've been back to Bethel. Isaac was in Gerar. Abraham was in the land of the Canaanites. He later went to Beersheba. Jacob wound up at Padaram. Then at Jabok. Now he's at Shechem. He's back to Bethel. Then he's at Ephraim. Then he's at Hebron. And all the while, they're symbols of a New Testament church that were pilgrims and strangers. You know what they had? They had an altar, they had a tent, and they had a well. And that's what we've got today at the Pentecostals of Bossier. We got a tent. What do you mean by that? We have staked our claim on this apostolic Acts 2.38. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord message. He said in verse 14 and 15, you were a protected people. He permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Both Isaac and Abraham felt the wrath of the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. Ahimelech, the king of the Philistines, Isaac felt his wrath. Isaac felt his wrath. 
Why are you doing this to me? He wanted to kill them, but God was protecting them. And all the time, they only saw the promises afar off, Hebrews said. They were being stalked. Don't look like everything you say God is, is working in your life right now. I'm gonna preach to you just a minute because some of you feel this way right now. Well, I know what the Bible said and I know what the promise is. Let me remind you that God doesn't forget. He doesn't have a short memory. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. You're looking for another city. Don't you get too attached to this world. But you're saying, well, God said this and God said that and Pastor Dean preaches about redemptive lift and why ain't I seeing it in my life and why isn't it happening in my life? Let me tell you what you do. You go back and you ask God, what am I not doing that you asked me to do? And you trust God and you do what God asked you to do in this holy word because God's a protector and he's got divine purpose. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. I mean, the land of Canaan where where the family of Abraham lived, it wasn't raining. They had no crops. They ran out of food and God used that time to send them down to Egypt. God may be working in your life and you don't know what God's doing. You may be in your famine. Somebody help me now. You may be in your famine. You may be in your mighty struggle, but God may have his hand on your life life. He may be moving you around like the pieces of chess on a chess board. He's getting you ready for something bigger than you could ever imagine. It's in your Bible. He said, I'm waiting on the, I'm waiting on the wickedness of the Amorites to be full. Because when that time comes, I'm gonna cleanse the land of Canaan and I'm gonna give it to the children of Israel. And so he had to send a famine. Anybody here ever been in a famine in your life? Anybody ever felt like you wasn't, you're praying, you're hitting the ceiling, God don't hear your prayer, nothing's happening, I'm doing everything they tell me to do, I'm doing it all, I'm trying, I'm doing this, I'm paying my tithes, I'm, I'm giving in the offering, I'm buying a turkey for somebody this weekend and I'm not seeing the breakthrough, God's got his hand on your life. Don't forget it! Oh, I can tell I gotta hurry up. God always had a process. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. I don't have time to read all these verses yet, but Joseph went through some trials, and we've been there. We've been in our trials. He didn't know what was going on. His brother sold him as a slave. He went to Potiphar's house. Potiphar liked him, put him in charge of everything in his house. Joseph had, had to run from Potiphar's wife. She tried to get him into bed with her. Forgive the language, all right? She tried, she, she tried to seduce him. That's what I should have said. She, she tried to seduce him. He ran for his life. He was clean. He was godly. He was doing everything right. And, and she lied on him. She lied on him. Told, she got mad at him. Told Potiphar, you better watch these women. You better watch these men. They get mad at you. You know, they're in love with you. When they're mad at you and you don't get you, they'll talk about you. They'll They'll tell lies on you, yeah, amen, amen. That's free information right there. He winds up in prison. Joseph had a trial. They sold him as a slave. They put his feet in fetters. He was laid in irons. He was accused of something he didn't do. The butler forgot him when he interpreted his dream, but God didn't forget him. He was 18 when he was sold as a slave. He was 30 when he was elevated to prime minister of Egypt at just simple math. For 12 years, he languished in a prison, kept waiting on his promise, kept waiting on his word from God. Somebody say amen. But I don't want to just talk about Joseph's trials. I want to talk about his triumphs. The Bible said in verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass and the Lord tested him. You got a word coming from the Lord. Sister Wendy, if you're watching this morning, you got a word coming from the Lord. Donnie, you got a word coming from the Lord. You got a word. Well, I don't see the light of day. I feel like I'm in a tunnel and I, oh my God, send us a word. That's what I'm doing right now. God's giving you a word. 
Hold on. Give him another hand clap of praise, would you? King sent and released him the rule of the people, let him go free, he made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Never has a man known such swift change in his circumstances. From adversity to supreme advancement overnight, all a part of God's plan, the divine process. The chosen people are gonna now find a safe place to land in the land of Goshen where they will become a mighty nation. So Joseph endured his trial to live the triumph because God had his hand on him. Can you see that? Can anybody see that? Can you see it? What are you going through right now? What are you dealing with right now? Well, get out on your knees and say, God, I don't know what you're trying to teach me, but I'm a student right now. I'm living with a promise. I'm a student right now. Help me out here, God. I'm a quick learner. Amen. This pain's shouting at me, but I want God to shout at me. Hey, hey, hey. You know where I got this message? I got this message on either Monday or Tuesday in my private devotion praying for my son Jeremy that God would turn it around. I was praying. God spoke to me and I was looking for another chapter in Psalms and I came to Psalm 105 and I got down to these verses right here and I said until the word comes. And it was like the Holy Ghost was telling me this is your word. Woo! I feel like I'm preaching to the choir right now. Sometimes the choir needs to be preached to. Get your hands together. Get your hands up. Get your mouth open. It's a time to rejoice. I don't know what, but but the word's coming. Woo, hallelujah. The word is coming. Somebody shout our great God. Our great God. One more hand clap to the Lord. I'm closing here in a minute. Real quick. Woo! Jacob's descendants in Egypt, he increased his people greatly. They went into slavery and they started multiplying. He made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people. I don't have time to do a lot of this stuff. I could have preached forever on this. He, uh, Pharaoh turned Goshen into a concentration camp. Pharaoh planned for the extermination of the entire Hebrew race in one generation. I'm killing all the males. So in one generation, there'll be no more Hebrews left. And we won't have to be afraid of them. The Bible said he turned their heart to hate his people. It was God who caused them to hate his people, to deal craftily with their servants. But God's never left without a plan. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting on the iniquity of the Amorites to be full. And I'm bringing them out. All right, come on up here, somebody. Play a little something. Help me. Help me, Jesus. Help these poor people. I'm only on verse 26, God. They're hungry. All they had this morning is a little coffee in the foyer. They're ready to go eat. But I'm going to talk about coming out. Don't forget it. Don't forget about the exodus. Oh my God. He sent Moses his servant. And he sent Aaron whom he had chosen. And the world has not since witnessed anything like it. Oh, what a mom and daddy they had. They were living in a slave hut. And in a slave hut, they raised a Moses and an Aaron 
and a Miriam. Quit looking around you. Moses grew up, was born in a slave hut. Aaron, the high priest, grew up in a slave hut. Miriam, the prophetess, grew up in a slave hut. What a family. Look at their purpose. Moses and Aaron watched in, marched into Egypt. They performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. The Egyptian wizards duplicated a couple of the miracles with their black magic. But soon they gave way and acknowledged that a greater power than they knew was in work, at work in Egypt. Keep your heart right. Keep your praise up. Keep your testimony going. God's going to take care of the enemy. Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. God gave you power to tread over serpents and scorpions. And nothing, he said, shall by any means hurt you. He filled the Egyptians with doubt. Verse 28 said, he sent darkness and made it dark. They did not, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. You see, Pharaoh was supposed to be the incarnation of the sun god, the supreme deity of all their gods in Egypt. But darkness showed up. And Pharaoh couldn't do anything about it. But watch this. The lights were on in Goshen. God put down in the hearts of every Egyptian. I thought Pharaoh was the sun god, but Moses came in and he turned out the lights here, but they got light in Goshen. I'm trying to preach to somebody right now. Quit looking around you. Quit looking around you. We ought to say look inside of you. Do you have the spirit? Do you have the Holy Ghost? In verses 28 through 29, 30 through 31, God filled Egypt with disgust. He sent lice. He sent frogs. He sent swarms of flies. Frogs were everywhere. They were in the slaves' hut. They were in the homes of the rich and poor. They piled them up in heaps. The gnats came, the flies came, the lice came. None of the Egyptian kids could even go to youth camp because when they went through the last check, they failed. All over Egypt, they're walking around. They're swatting at flies. They're scratching their head. I feel like I got lice up in here right now. You ever get around anybody that's had lice, your head gets to itching, right? They look like a bunch of monkeys checking each other's head, digging in their hair, because God put them in that place, and then God filled them with dread. In verse 32 and 33, I'm preaching about our great God this morning. He gave them hail for rain, light, flame and fire in their land. He struck their vines and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. Pharaoh said to Moses, entreat the Lord for it is enough. The word thunderings that you find in Exodus 9 and 28 literally means the voices of Jehovah. When he heard that thundering, he said that sounds like God to me. God filled the Egyptians with despair. He destroyed all the firstborn in the land. He destroyed their firstborn, the cattle, the oxen, the sheep, everybody. You know why? Because God's got a mandate. The Amorites' iniquity is full. I'm fixing to bring my people out. Congress didn't have to convene. Nobody signed an Emancipation Proclamation. They didn't write a law. The Egyptians said, get out of here. We're sick of you. They said, well, that little gold chain you had around your neck yesterday, can I have that? Sure. Woo, I'm, I'm closing now. How long have I been going? 
It's 11.14. I know somebody checked their clock. I'm going to get this down to 30 minutes maybe. One of these days. When he brought them out, somebody's fixing to have some hope born. When he brought, this was their testimony. They were slaves. He brought them out with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person. They didn't have anybody walking out like this. No, they had golden chains, silver chains. They were wrapped up, they had bags full of goodies. They spoiled the Egyptians, the Bible said. And even grandpas were walking like this. We're going home. It's a mandate. The Holy Ghost spoke to me as I was getting ready to preach this message and told me to tell somebody here, God's got a mandate for you. It's time to get up. And come out. Get up. Somebody shake something off right now. He's not going to bring you out in poverty, impoverished. God's going to bring you out with the blessing of Almighty God. It's a time to rejoice. He not only led his people, he fed his people. God remembered his promise, verse 42, and he redeemed his promise. And here's the purpose for his promise. Verse 45, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise the Lord. Did anybody got a testimony this morning? Look at your neighbor and say, I got a testimony. I was in Egypt. I was there. He brought me out. He lifted me up out of the miry clay. He's come on. Come on. Now, it ain't a day to sit down, sit back, look gloomy, look sad. It's a day to say, thank God. He brought me out. Woo! We have some used to be's in the house today. I used to be a slave. I used to be in slavery to sin. I used to be an addict. Not anymore. I walked under the blood. I came out. Is anybody blessed since you came out? Anybody? Anybody blessed since you came out? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm living in the light now. I'm living in the light. God's going to squash your enemy under your feet. Put your foot on your problem and give God some praise. Put your foot on your sickness and give God some praise. The Word came today. The Word came today. Everybody clap your hands and shout. Everybody shout, yes, 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 yes. I will bless the Lord. Woo! Bless the Lord. I will praise His name. I will bless the Lord. For the rest of my life.
Everybody pray for Donnie Richardson. Stretch your hand up here. There you go. Keep singing. You're all right. Everybody pray for Donnie Richardson. His cancer's come back. I believe God wants to give him an exodus today. Amen. In the name by the authority of the word of God, Donnie, we have a promise. By his stripes we are healed. And God never forgets his promise. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Somebody believe with me. For the rest of my life. Don't go home today if you need prayer. People watching me on the internet. God's got a word for you. It's not over. Don't look around you, look up. Don't look around you, look up. For the rest of my life. got a promise today? You gonna hold on to them? Huh? Anybody gonna remember where you came from for a little while? Amen. Anybody? Raise your hand. Yeah, we're gonna go on our way rejoicing this morning. We got a word. If you don't have a promise, get your Bible. I want God to talk to me. Here's the best way I know for God to talk to you. Get your Bible, open it up, say, God, give me something today. That's his word, all right? Go on your way rejoicing this morning, but it ain't gonna stop. When we walk out the door, it's for the rest of my life. Go home, read Psalm 105 again. Some of this will come back to you when you're reading it. Yeah. Quit looking around, look up. For the rest of my life.